You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Welcome to 3 a.m. 3 a.m. 3 a.m. Where we discuss and dissect the supernatural. What's the scariest thing you've encountered? That's been one of our favorite questions for years. 3 a.m. is the result of asking this question over and over again. Stories we share are typically sourced from those we know, our listeners, or personal experience, the validity of which can be determined by you, the listener. While we might not have all the answers, we find the culture and lore surrounding paranormal events and unnatural occurrences fascinating. We hope you enjoy. We hope you enjoy. We hope you enjoy. This is the 3 a.m. podcast. My name is DJ. My name is Sean. And I'm Charles. Ah, Charles sounds like what? he had, has had like a five-year cough going on or something. Oh, man. Charles sounds so sexy right now. <laughs> it's Jordan. Welcome back, man. Thank you. I feel very welcome. Uh, everybody, Jordan is back visiting for the week. Uh, Charles is out of town. Uh, with some family things going on. This is the, or, not original three, but us three met in the Philippines. That's true. Charles is Jordan's uh, childhood friend, high school friend. Mm-hmm. Lover. I mean, friend, yeah. Yeah. All of the above. <laughs> uh, so it's cool. I'm excited for this dynamic. Excited for this episode. Uh, any updates from anybody? Um, I'm just, I mean, I'm mainly just doing online courses. <laughs> Jordan's wild. still in school. Yeah. I'm still can't go back to China. So yeah, I'm stranded here indefinitely. Like there's no, until yeah. further notice. Yeah. No official. I, I'm assuming I'll be going back in the fall, but I mean, who knows? Yeah. Honestly, like last time China closed their borders, it was like 30 years or something before they reopened <laughs> them. So I'm like, okay, well, let's not repeat. Well, at like, least you like, made it back in time, bro. They closed the borders with you still there? I couldn't imagine. <laughs> I think I could get away. I think you can get out. It's just getting in. Like, been, I think I could get away from Winnie. Winnie the Pooh Bear. Oh, my gosh. Center that. <laughs> I am on this episode. We're going to protect our boy Jordan. <laughs> come at me, bro. Oh, JK, uh, come at Jordan, bro. <laughs> Sean, any updates? Uh, no, not really. I mean, uh, what about your uh, fitness? Oh, still working on it. Chat. Still working on it. Um, How many miles are you at in a week now? Well, the most I've done right now is still 41. Like, I had to kind of taper a little bit and stay there because it was kind of wrecking my legs a little bit. Like, I had to take a full week off because I, like, my Achilles was so tight that it hurt to run. So I had to chill for a minute. What would you do if, while running, your Achilles just burst? I would finish my run, <laughs> rub some dirt in it, and then probably go to the hospital. <laughs> Maybe if you're David Goggins, dude. <laughs> David Goggins. Well, I mean, if I'm out running, I got to make it back to my car, so I yeah. got to finish. <laughs> that dude is scary. <laughs> yeah, dude. That dude is a real-life iRobot. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? What's new with you? Nothing, dude. I just had a good weekend. 
with all of you. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's funny because we're like kind of like greeting ourselves, but we've been together like the last yeah. four days. Well, for the for the listeners, you know, it's like give them a little update. Uh, this past weekend, the three of us, uh, Mallory and Janelle, um, we had a little slumber party. <laughs> Had some brunch. Ooh, made waffles. Yeah, waffles. We had the spread, bro. Bro, those uh, are so good, too. Went to four different canyons to find hikes. <laughs> they were so packed. Found two. That's Found two. That's uh, it was a lot of time outdoors. Had a barbecue, some dogs, yep. some, some crispy weens on the, on the grill. Some cheddar dogs. Mm. But, yeah, it was a good long weekend, relaxing. We hope everybody had a... Had a good weekend out there too. I also um, love how people were like, "Oh yeah, three day weekend," and I'm like, "Have you not been on a three day weekend like for like the last four months? Like, <laughs> when have you, hasn't it just been like the weekend for you?" Like, no, I think over the weekend was just like the first time that everybody in the world decided to just you know fuck coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, we're going out. Yeah, uh, I ate at a restaurant. True, dude. for the first time last week, like inside, like. A waitress served us, and I had a menu in my hand. It was weird, dude. Actually, we had like seven menus in our hands because that place had so many menus. What are you talking about? The Thai place? The Thai sushi? two places. Oh, dope. I I went to one earlier in the week. Oh, sick. No, it's kind of crazy. Pepperidge Farm remembers. (laughs) But uh, should we move on? For sure. Question time. Question time. Somebody, uh, we still have some questions from Instagram. We do actually still have some questions, but I'm going to start off with the one that we were just asked on our Instagram live. What is the most random true fact that you know? Average human lifetime produces enough saliva to fill up an Olympic-sized swimming pool. (laughs) That's always my go-to random fact. (laughs) (laughs) Just imagine That's swimming in that. <laughs> I, I couldn't stop thinking about swimming in it. Why? Why can't I just look at it? Why do I have to swim in it? Um, I guess mine, my, uh, it's not like my go-to random fact, but it's a recent random fact that I learned. Um, I just read a book about uh, the Comanche, uh, a Native American tribe who mm. basically ruled uh, the Midwest and uh, Texas, parts of northern Mexico. Like they just basically ruled the plains, uh, ruled all the other tribes. And they were actually the only Native American tribe in North America to fight on horseback. So traditionally, when we see movies, we always, like, you know, there'll be battles and Native American uh, chiefs and braves will and warriors will be wearing, uh, or will be on a horse and attacking, right? What, these are all Comanches all of a sudden or something? But apparently the Comanches, and what's interesting about the Comanches too is they are descendants of, like the, the the Asian Asian ancestors when they came across to the Americas, right, when it was all connected. Um, and so they're a lot smaller than a lot of the other Native American tribes, like in their height and their weight. So they just naturally gravitated and like... You <laughs> they know. needed the extra oomph <laughs> yeah. in their fight. <laughs> yeah, That's so basically cool. they like um, became experts at the horse and fighting on horseback and... Before that, Native American tribes and uh, other soldiers would just, uh, and other nation soldiers would just, 
ride horseback to the battle, get off the horse, and then fight. You know, so like it was kind of an interesting thing where I was like, oh, I did not realize that that they were the ones, the first ones in North America, and probably the only tribe in North America to actually do that. Dope. Uh, I know randomly that Reykjavik, Iceland, is the same uh, longitude or latitude as Fairbanks, Alaska. Interesting. I don't even remember why I know that. <laughs> <laughs> that that was like the best. Like you guys had good random ones. That's for, like, pretty the random. <laughs> Those are way if random. That's ever on Jeopardy. Double Jeopardy. I'm putting all my money on it. <laughs> that was, that question was from Kelly the Cutie, by the way. Ooh, R. Kelly the Cutie. Thanks, Kelly. Uh, oh, speaking of R. Kelly, okay. uh, <laughs> another fact I'm gonna hit you with is uh, there are a handful of penguin species that have very unsafe and disturbing <laughs> sex practices. I was wondering how this related to R. Kelly, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but a handful of penguin species commonly engage in uh rape necrophilia and pedophilia <laughs> so that's damn penguins be wild yeah. dark bro <laughs> next time you hear somebody say i love penguins <laughs> <laughs> well actually <laughs> you love pedophiles is no, what they, you're saying <laughs> yeah exactly oh, <laughs> if jeffrey epstein was an animal what would he be <laughs> Well, damn. Well, damn. Okay, let's go. Got a question from Mac Riff. Oh, what's up, Mac? Uh, next. <laughs> <laughs> what's your most unnerving date experience? I have a really unnerving date experience. Okay. Me and this girl went climbing one time. Oh, you've shared this. I've shared this before. This is the most unnerving date experience I've had because as she was climbing and we were bouldering, so... I was not belaying her at the time, but she fell awkwardly and like broke her ankle and like started getting real like, but like she was going to pass out and I'm like, holy shit. She was in shock. Yeah. And so I'm like, I mean, I understand that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm somewhat of a professional in broken ankles. (laughs) A connoisseur of Of ankle breakers. Fractured limbs. (laughs) But I was like, okay, what do I do? So I, like, carried her all the way out to her car, like, went and got water for her and, like... like Bro, she needs the ER. Well, yeah, she was just... She sat down. She's like, uh, I'll be good. Give me a minute. And I was like, <laughs> what? It's like, you broke your ankle. It's not going to get better in a minute. I mean... <laughs> yeah. maybe One minute like later, all minutes. good. She's bouldering. Oh, I'm good now. Yeah. I'd be like, I don't know if it's supposed to be dangling like that. Yeah. When did this happen? This was like last summer. <laughs> I do not know this story. <laughs> That's so considerate, dude. You got her water. <laughs> Bro, yeah. I was like. And a Band-Aid. And a Band-Aid. Rub some dirt in it, too. What's her name and Instagram handle? <laughs> uh, JK, no. Nah. I can't remember her nah, name. Nah. We, we, we ain't going to put her on blast like that. It was a joke. Yeah. But still, well, that, was, her that, name, that was unnerving. Name? Dude, that's terrifying. I hope to never be in that situation. <sighs> yeah. Same. I'm small too. Like I don't know if I could carry her out. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm bro, you, you staying here? <laughs> five, Sorry. Six, okay. Yeah. Peace. I'm like, so you're good, right? <laughs> <laughs> you don't need like water. I'm gonna drink this water on myself. <laughs> I had I had something I had to get to. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Damn roof. Maybe you shouldn't call me. <laughs> all right. Now that we know we're all dirtbags. <laughs> Next question. 
Let's Anything see. else? From Mo Fez, which serial killer do you most identify with? <laughs> I like that. I, I like that question. I'm gonna just come out and say Zodiac because I would give all kinds of passive aggressive hints to people and never get caught. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, no, I don't have anything. <laughs> I'm. I'd be Jack the Reaper because it'd just be like kind of myth. Like you don't really know if that person was really alive or if it was a bunch of a bunch of people. Like there's like who I just kill so many that you wouldn't know. It was just me. I it'd be that aggressive. Uh dude, I don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> Love so it. I honestly I honestly said Jack the, the Ripper because I couldn't think of any others. <laughs> I was like Jeffrey Dahmer and that's all I can think of. Ted, Ted Bundy. <laughs> I couldn't even think of Ted Bundy. Wow, wow, guys, wow. Uh, maybe uh, Genghis Khan. Hey, hey. get Could a little he? bit Genghis Khan. <laughs> Could he be considered a serial killer? I think yeah. that that could be considered that. I like the idea of leading a, a legion of barbaric soldiers. And fathering what, 60% <laughs> of all the world's population yeah. after that. <laughs> What a G. He's the realist, honestly. And he on and he's the one they are the ones that basically spread the plague because they're moving so quickly. Dirty. So <laughs> actually dirty. They they're moving so Gross. quickly. And honestly, a lot of uh historians uh put them as the reason why uh China, the Middle East, and Africa fell behind from Europe because actually they were way ahead in mathematics and science and things like that. But then the Mongols just came and just were like, no, no, no. We're going to rule everything. And then the plague is what stopped them from possibly conquering Europe, which is kind of interesting. Okay. I got two more. This one from J. Daniels Elmer. Oh, damn. Most rational fear, like most realistic thing you're afraid of dying from, and why? (laughs) (laughs) That is the worst question I've heard yet. Okay. So I was watching The Amazing Race last week. And they were in like Bali or like someplace Southeast Asia. And they have to paddle a canoe across this river. And you clearly see crocodiles in the river and just like chill in there. And I'm sitting here like, that's terrifying. Those mother effers could just pop up and eat you. And then on their way back, there was an effing hippo out there too. And so like, actually, you know, come to think of it, this has got to be Africa because there were hippos as well. But anyways. Dude, that's not rational. How often are you in Africa swimming in rivers? <laughs> Bro, that's pretty so rational. True. Those hippos, did you ever see Lake Placid? Those things came all the way to the US, bro. Sean's like in the zoo. Oh no. I'm I get you. He's actually climbing the, the fence. I mean, that fence is 30 feet high. How's he, how's he doing that? It's like one of the Spider-Man villains. <laughs> um, for me, I think dying and not having any memory. Or dying. Rational fear? Wait. We're talking rational fears. Wait, 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 wait. You said your fear is dying? Dying with like... No memory. Dementia or something oh, like, like oh, Alzheimer's. Oh, okay. I was I like, bro, you dead. How are you remembering? Yeah. You're, no one has <laughs> no, no, memory sorry, once sorry. they dead. Yeah. yeah. 
was okay, that makes so much sense. He's just stuck in between heaven and earth yeah. and doesn't remember why he's there. So like dementia or like Alzheimer's or something like that? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Bro, yeah. I'm seeking out Alzheimer's. Yeah. To forget it's all sad for everyone else, dates. but you're chill. <laughs> you wake up every day and it's a new day. Did and you, you just, just say take... uh, Alzheimer's? <laughs> <laughs> old timers, bro. I said old timers, high risk group. Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's. <laughs> I could have said Alzheimer's. No, I, I don't know. Alzheimer's. <laughs> but really, old timers. Yeah, no. the old timers get the all timers. Sorry for all of our <laughs> listeners that all are old timers. All the timers. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I I don't know what's going on. You hear stories of like people having dementia or Alzheimer's, and it's always so sad for everyone because it's like he didn't remember my name or my face or whatnot. Yeah, but I don't know what goes in on in their head, like make new memories. So it's like your old memories and then then parts of and then other parts of your brain like for some reason you'll remember very specific things from thir- like 30 years ago but you can't remember, you know. But like the last 10 years or whatever. I, I don't yeah. What if your significant other comes to visit you in the old people's home every day and reads you the story of how you guys met and got together and by the time end of every day you remember again? Okay, 51st Dates. <laughs> I was going to say, this feels like a movie plot. Yeah, that's the notebook, bro. <laughs> um, I, feel, I have a few rational fears. I said rational, right, in the question? Yeah. It was rational. Okay, yeah. yeah. Like real life stuff. Like crocodiles yeah, and yeah. hippos. Uh, yeah, because you're... <laughs> Acid constantly. rain and killer bees and such. <sighs> murder well, murder hornets. hornets, yeah. Um, I think a rational fear for me... I think is like... If you, you, you like either uncover or like you discover something about somebody who's like ultra powerful and then like no one is just like no one will listen to you. Like no one will like accept what you're like just where you feel alone and like no one will accept anything from what you're saying. Like that would just be so frustrating and terrifying, especially if it was like somebody you were going after and then they could easily like get you because of how powerful, because of how powerful and connected they were. So. That's pretty scary. But I'll get them first. <clears throat> okay, we got last one. <laughs> this one comes from Whitner McCutie. Oh, what's up? Mary f- kill between everyone in the podcast plus Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Mary <laughs> kill? <laughs> well, there's more than three people if you count all of those. Us three, then Charles, then Kevin. That's well, five. Well, you're going to have to leave two people out then. Yeah. Damn, that <laughs> just kill me. <laughs> Disrespectful. <laughs> well, I feel like if I married Kevin, I'm going to get dank food all the time. Okay, who are you going to marry? I'll marry. I'll marry. I kind of want Dude, Kevin's a good get, dude. Are we all just going to marry Kevin? That's a good one. <laughs> yep. Uh, I, I'll choose Charles. Okay. Because Charles, because of all of our similarities, cute. We just match so well, so <laughs> don't, don't don't be hating. We got good chemistry. I just, right? It's cute, bro. What? I don't um, know if you're patronizing me or. Um, speaking of, find us on Patreon. <laughs> not even the same. <laughs> not even the same thing. Uh, okay, next. Kill. I would kill myself because I'm the worst one. <laughs> I'd also kill you because you're the worst one. 
<laughs> Why I even think of kill myself? That's funny. Uh, uh, that's funny. <laughs> um, I'd have sexual relations with Charles because I'd want a like a hot and steamy relationship, not just like a boring marriage relationship. I'd get down with Kevin. <laughs> I get down with Kevin because that that kid knows how to love. So it's got to translate. Yeah, he. I bet you could put in some effort. Probably. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> John? Uh, let's see. <laughs> Probably going to have to go with Jordan. We're basically in a, in a like, a, what is that called? A common law marriage anyways, because we lived together for so long. <laughs> um, I was actually going to say you for marriage until you said Kevin, and I just copied you because I wanted I mean, to marry you. He, he cooks better <laughs> than I do, so that was a good choice. <laughs> Um, dude, I've been waiting for Sean to finally accept this <laughs> as reality, and now I think we're here. We're here. We've made it. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been fun. That was a good question. <laughs> I think it's time to move on. So loud roll. So now we're rolling a twenty-sided die to decide who's telling our stories first and last. Highest number goes first. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. I have benefited from therapy in a way that it's allowed me to feel a lot more light, lightness in my heart, my head, my emotions. If that's something that you are needing, if that's something that's missing, uh, give therapy a try. Give BetterHelp a try. Uh, We want to hook you up um, by getting it off your chest Uh, and it be a little lighter on the wallet. Uh, go ahead and visit betterhelp.com slash 3am and you can get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 3am. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I rolled a three. Four? Was it? Uh, 15, actually. (laughs) 17. So it's going to be me and Jordan and Sean to finish this off. All right. So this story comes from, and I'm so sorry if I'm butchering your name, but Kelly. (laughs) Or. All right. All right. All right. Yo. Let me know when you're done laughing so I can explain. Is this? Okay, go. Right. Her name's spelled K-E-L-E-I-G-H. Do that one more time. K-E-L-E-I-G-H. Kaylee? J-H-G-H. G-H. Why is she spelling Kelly with like slay? I don't know. That's not her <laughs> fault, bro. Yeah, that's her parents' fault, bro. 
I mean, technically, she allowed it to continue to happen instead of changing her name. So that was fact of the matter is, she sent in the store. Nice. God bless so, you, Kelly. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, this happened to her. Dope. And she wasn't the only one that experienced this. So there's multiple people who can confirm that this has happened. She's always fun, always validating. She said fun, kind of interesting, because that just makes it feel more real, because there's more <laughs> witnesses. So I don't know about fun. Hey, fun for us, because we're, we're hearing it from a distance. So. True. Uh, Kelly was about four or five. Her and her parents and her great-grandparents pack up. They're from Tennessee. This is where they're living at the time. And they take a road trip to Ohio to go and visit her aunt and uncle. It's been a while. They're excited, but also they're excited to see their aunt and uncle, but not, it sounded like they're not very excited to see her first cousin. (laughs) And her first cousin, what's his name? Brad Chaz? No, he doesn't seem like a Chaz. He seems more like a, like a Randall. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think she gives a name in this story. The only Randall I picture is from Recess. The only Randall <laughs> I pictured was the one from Monsters, Inc. Oh, yeah. Also, <laughs> scummy. Um, yeah, this Rando sounds like a real freak show, if you know what I mean. Oh, uh, my kind of my guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, they were not really excited to see him because... He seemed like a pathological liar. Just the one weird cousin in your family uh, who nobody can relate to. Um, nobody understands, you know? <laughs> no, but Randall would, even now he's in his 30s, going into his 20s, he would tell everybody that he was like employed at NASA. Uh, just no backing to anything. Um but even long before that, uh, before he was lying about his occupation, uh, when he was a kid, uh, so sorry. Some backstory to this kid. Uh, years after this visit uh, to their aunt and uncle and cousin in Ohio, um, Randall attempted to cut his mother and elderly grandmother on the side of the road with a hunting knife and her her dad had to like stop the whole debacle um and altercation uh he's always in some type of weird trouble or lying um he had a friend that he would play with all the time and when it was just them two somehow a bomb exploded i'm not sure how <laughs> like he acquired the, the the ingredients to make this bomb um but it hurt his friend and his only defense for it was i work for nasa uh just lying about like his occupation uh he <laughs> claims multiple times that he's been abduct- abducted by aliens so it's like who's listening to this kid also, who's trying to abduct you? You crazy. Yeah. <laughs> also, if you get abducted, you probably become crazy. So it could be a result of his abduction. Could be. Could be. Um, nevertheless, he's 
He's a small part of this story. And <laughs> sounds like kind of the worst. I'm sorry, Kelly. Um, but they're going to go visit him and his parents. Kelly describes her parents as her mom being spiritual, believes in ghosts and entities and paranormal, and her dad being very skeptical, doesn't believe any, any of that. Yeah. So the house that they arrive at is, is a new one that they've never been to before. The aunt and uncle had just moved in. And she immediately doesn't have a good feeling. And she's thinking that, and this is years later, uh, her telling Kelly. But uh, she remembers at the time not feeling good about this, but she wasn't sure if it's just because it was a new house and she wasn't used to what it was previously. But she she shakes it off because there's nothing, no like real tangible thing to hold it against. Um, so they're there for a few days. And so once I get there, mom doesn't have a good feeling. Um, she says that she felt really uncomfortable that um, the entire first night they were there. But brushed it off thinking it's just a new house because uh, they just moved in or, yeah. Anyway. Mom and dad are sleeping in a separate bedroom. Kelly is sleeping with her grandparents. And mom is not able to fall asleep the entire night. And she's tossing and turning. Dad is fast asleep, classic. (laughs) So she's not sure what to do. She's kind of restless. She gets out of bed. She stands up. Her feet touches the floor. She feels more than the entire night that she's felt previous that something is not right at all. And their bedroom has a window. And if you look out the window, you can see the yard. And at the end of the yard is a man standing in a coat with a hat. Can't see his face, can't, there's no real light to really define exactly what this man's face looked like. Just knew that there was somebody standing there. So she is starting to freak out and says that she was frozen in fear when she hears a voice and the voice says, do you see him too? <laughs> she turns around to see that her husband's been awake this whole time. Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> Stupid. Okay. I was like, I was like, it wasn't the husband. Like, does it sound like the husband's? <laughs> okay. That's hilarious. <laughs> Hilarious and terrifying at the same time. It's like, bro, why did you not say or do anything? At least somebody else saw it, like with you in real time too. That's true. But at the but same time, that's also so sketch about it. Terrifying because it's like, yes, I'm also seeing. Like we're both seeing. Like this is real now because I'm not the only one. Um, after that, Dad finally gets up, goes to see what's going on. It's like, hey man, what's up? What's going on? No, exactly. So he starts walking towards 
um, down the hallway towards one of the doors to get out to the yard. He's now outside. Dad is? Mm-hmm. Okay. Dad is now outside. Is she like watching him through the window still as he's doing this? I'm not or? sure. I'd assume so. Okay. Um, because she has a window and can see. But uh, he's now in the yard. And as he starts walking across to this man, which I give the dad credit at this point because that's pretty fearless. That's like, some BD. Who's walking to some... That's a dad thing to do. Like, it is. Let me confront this dude at 3 a.m. who's standing in front of our house being creepy. Hey, that's like a <laughs> us. If you watch us, oh, yeah, dude. they're at that summer lake house, and he walks out, and he's like, with his baseball bat, <laughs> if y'all got a problem. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. But uh, yeah, he got that BDE is what you're saying. So he's walking across the yard, and this man in the coat and hat and no face turns around and walks into the forest, disappears. So dad says he doesn't know if this is paranormal, if they were just seeing things, if it was a ghost or if it was an actual person. Um, They still don't have answers to this day. But the worst part for me in reading this is... The morning after, mom pulls aunt aside, or her sister, mm-hmm. Kelly's aunt, and describes a whole situation, what happened the, the night before. It's their first night there, you know. Mm-hmm. So they want to set something straight before they stay the rest of their time. You know? <laughs> smart, smart. So, um, tells her what happens. Aunt goes white. Mm. Aunt says, Randall... I now see the name. Name is Grant. That sounds oh. close to Randall. <laughs> so Grant, Aunt says, Grant's told me multiple times that he sees that man all the time. Which, leading up to this point, it's like, who's this Grant kid? You know? Like, who's going to believe this, this dude? Um, but now... They're experiencing, I guess, what he's experienced. Um, they never saw this man again in the yard themselves. And that's because they never went back to that house ever again <laughs> after their stay. Um, but this is just a night that uh, Kelly's mom and dad, I guess, could never shake um, and then get confirmation of its reality from. One of the crazier people in their family. Grant. So, yeah, from Grant. <laughs> so, questioning their sanity, but they know what they saw. They're like, we work for NASA now, too. Yeah. So, I don't know. How, yeah. I don't know how I'd feel, but. That's pretty uh, creepy, though. Like, just walks out into the woods, is what you said? Yeah. Uh. I always think it's interesting. Um, and I understand why, but like with people like this Grant kid or, or people who are pathological liars or or who maybe don't. There's some, there's like something that feels a little off, like something's, they don't quite like communicate in the way that we are more naturally inclined to, right? Or that we like feel comfortable with all the time. And so something feels a little off, right? I just don't, I like, and sometimes they'll have like outrageous, outlandish lies or something, but then there's always some like wildness that's true though, is with, with these people, you know what I mean? And so 
it's crazy. I, I feel like out of all the patho- pathological liars, I feel like there's got to be one that's like, like one boy that cried wolf multiple times and like was right every single time. <laughs> well, and I think, but just, you don't find find out till the end. Or yeah. Well, and mainly my my point is mainly like just because they cry wolf seven times doesn't mean eight nine might not be real or four was real but five six seven weren't and we don't know what kind of trauma that that caused and maybe that caused their brain to do something where now they're trying to cope with it and this is the way that they cope or, no. but it's just like. It's it's so hard to try to take objectively like listen to like specific people's experiences without like looking at their past, who they are, like judging them based off of all that. Because like you're supposed to make like good judgments, right? But it's just, I think it's also good to always have that open mind of like even though I know this person is probably somebody I shouldn't believe, but you should be open to the possibility because maybe you might catch some clues whether it's non-verbally from them or some other confirmations like her parents where it's like oh shoot this is actually real yeah instead of just dismissing it because they're crazy you know kelly does go on to say and um that grant is in his 30s now so when this whole thing happened it was about six he was 16 so um at one point in their family's history he threatened to, I don't know if we want to include this, but he threatened to shoot up the house at our family Christmas. So now he's not allowed around the family anymore. Rightfully so. So if it's not something demonic, it's something definitely mm-hmm. mental or one of the, one of the same, I don't know. Dude. But the fact um, that they also saw whatever it is too is like really creepy because if it is demonic, now they're seeing the demons. <laughs> and if it's mental, then they're crazy. It's a, it's a lose-lose situation, dog. <laughs> Either way, it sucks. Yeah. No, I like this. Uh, this one was fun. That was a read. good story. Uh, thank you, Kelly. That's not my only story for tonight. Hey. I have a second one. Uh, my second story. I'm actually really excited for because this is a setting that we haven't explored really at all. So this story is given and is a firsthand account from someone named Danton. Ooh. Danton was in the U.S. Army in 2003 which is when the U.S. went to war with Iraq following 9-11. And this experience happens while he was deployed in Iraq, which is already such a wild time, space, just overall atmosphere, you know. Um, Danton is in Iraq trying to find Saddam. So he's on the front lines of battle. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Uh, this part of his deployment, they were overtaking, and I, I don't have any military in my family, so I, I'm not very knowledgeable of different technical terms and how things work, so forgive me if I get some of this wrong. Um, but they're overtaking uh, as part of their objective different towns, different enemy um, 
holdouts or bases um, that are crucial to them, you know, expanding their territory and finding um, prominent figures in um, on Saddam's side. So what's happening is they're, with the aid of like air support and uh, all these other teams, they are, these teams are bombing certain towns and Danton's team is moving in on those towns. And for this specific part, a lot of times they get to these town and towns and they're not completely leveled, but they've been hit pretty hard. And when they get there, there's no people there. Everybody's already escaped or evacuated. So they're just securing these points, but they're the first people to set foot there, you know. So they're going from town to town. At one point, they go through Saddam's hometown, um, overtake that, uh, gain control. And uh, they're just making a lot of um, ground. Is that the term? Yep. Yeah. They're making a lot of ground. Um, after Saddam's hometown, um, first they go to Baghdad, then they go to uh, an airfield north of Baghdad. Then they go up a highway that goes to Saddam Hussein, Hussein's hometown, which is called Tikrit. And then his company continues north. Um, with some other teams into an enemy ammo depot. They overtake that as well. And as they start operating around that area, they move one more time to an airfield. And in this airfield, um, they start to really settle down there. Uh, but they're still on the perimeter, you know, of their, I guess, territory now. So they're watching out for any enemy who might push back or who might still be there. But from what they can see when they initially get there, they're, they're pretty good. But they still have these, these watches uh, 24-7. People looking out. Um, when they get to this particular airfield... There's these hangars where a lot of the soldiers are staying in and these hangars were bombed. So like half of them are like caved in, have holes uh, in the roof. It's, it's gnarly. Everything's super dusty. He said that they, they go through the whole town and like there's still dishes in the sink, clothes hanging up, um, but dust all over them. So these people just up and left, mm-hmm. you know, um, really crazy to see. Um, but the, most of the soldiers take residence in these hangars. Um, but across the airstrip is this residential area with these bigger homes. And in those homes, uh, the MPs, uh, take residence there. So they called those homes a ghost town because nobody was there. Um, and it's just deserted. Later in their, during their first week there, um, 
he notices and sees that all the MPs are moving from the residential nice house, big house area to the hangars. <laughs> and he thinks it's strange because they, they had the hookups there, you know. They weren't staying in some bombed out It's like you're joining the plebs now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so he, he gets to talk to to some of them. And um, before he even speaks with them, he can tell that they're exhausted. Just the looks on their face, on their faces. Just the looks on their faces. They're exhausted. Um, he, he approaches one of them and as everyone was jealous that they lived in actual houses um, instead of bombed out warehouses, um, he he was curious because they're moving pretty quickly mm-hmm. out of that residential area, and the MP that he spoke with told him that none of them could sleep in the days that they were there. While they were there, especially during the nighttime, they would hear loud footsteps running up and down the halls of their houses. Doors would open and shut. All night, all by themselves. And finally, they would see the faces of children in their windows watching them. So, it's crazy to me to think that a whole team of, (laughs) you know, military. United States Armed Forces. (laughs) The best of the best. Was forced out because of that, you know. Yeah. So Danton thinks it's strange. What else do you do on Dan? Like from Danton's perspective, it's like, Whatever. well, okay, like, <laughs> sucks, I guess sucks. you know. Um, so this residential area, Ghost Town, was the furthest part of this airfield. Because they were moving back to the warehouse where everyone else was, this warehouse is now the furthest part of the perimeter of the control point, you know? So now that this is the perimeter, Danton's team is set up to do more of these uh, watches, especially overnight, you know? And they would have pairs of them. Um, every hour, switching out with different pairs, but uh, just kind of keeping watch, you know, for any any enemies. And they were outfitted with everything they needed, you know, all the guns. They had thermals. They had night vision. Everything. He said we would sit out there and scan for enemy activity during our hour of watch. And when our watch was over, the new pair would come in, replace. And we'd go and take rest for the, for the night. And he said, what we experienced, every single watchman experienced. He said, sitting out there in the desert of Iraq, in the still of night, every night it seemed like these children that haunted the MPs that caused them to move to 
our warehouse uh, hangar seemed like they wanted to start toying with us. <laughs> and as the next few days went by, during the nights, during our watch, we would hear these children playing close to us. We couldn't see anything with our flashlights. We couldn't see anything with our thermals. We couldn't see anything with our night vision. And it was so bizarre. And the worst part was that that wasn't it. <laughs> it wasn't just laughter and, and sounds of children playing near them. But these children got to the point where they are comfortable enough to start taunting these soldiers. And everybody on watch, to an extent, experienced pebbles being thrown at them. <laughs> what the hell? Bouncing off their masks, their face, their vests, coming out of nowhere. So it's getting into the head of these soldiers, obviously. Um, he said that this happened night after night. Uh, we talked about it with each other. Nobody was happy about it, but we sucked it up. Danton said that in 2004, so I'm assuming a lot of this overtaking and settling in this airfield, um, creating this perimeter, being on the edge of you know, their territory, so to say, um, was in the end of 2003. So 2004 comes, they had a change of command. And this change of command, this new head, upon hearing about the situation, says to the team, there is no supernatural activity in this ghost town, only enemy activity. Danton said that this was partially true, uh, because there had been a few times where they had been attacked from a distance with like sniper rifle fire. Um, and also a couple of RPGs um, from the direction of the ghost town. He said that they were busy during the day. They would search for WMDs. You remember those weapons of mass destruction mm -hmm. um, during the day. They were looking for WMDs. Um, Raiding different houses. Um, they're, they're not finding anything, but they're expending all of this time and energy towards this. Um, and uh, a lot of this goes into the night as well. So they're already tired dealing with war. Now they're dealing with this weird supernatural thing. But their new commanding officer says, this isn't real. Which is easy to say from a distance, right? <laughs> Not getting no pebbles thrown at you, general. But to combat this activity, nightly activity, the new commanding officer ordered a new protocol for Danton's team. And that was to push into Ghost Town. And set up ambushes at night. So to go towards this action. Why didn't they think about that beforehand? That's a great idea. <laughs> I guess so. That's a good idea. Like if you if you're like 
thinking about someone sneaking up on you and stuff, like might as well set some traps, you know? Yeah. I mean, that, that makes sense, but it's also like, I'm kind of terrified of this, you know, at the same time. It's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. can we just like not, <laughs> Let's not, deal with not war anymore? They're know? already throwing pebbles at us. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want them to be doing more than that. Yeah. So I hear you. Anton's team venture into ghost town at night. And this is his first time there. So he's going to what the previous teams were running away from. And what has been harassing them for the past week or two or month. um, Going into something that they don't know what they're actually dealing with. And his experience in Ghost Town is something that I'll be sharing on our Patreon. <laughs> well done. Well done. So the tension, uh, the tension is so thick right now that <laughs> it's got two thieves. Oh, I said few thieves. <laughs> I don't know what I said. Uh, old timers. Okay. <laughs> if you are a patron, uh, this story will be coming very soon. That's me tonight, guys. I enjoyed that. Um, so my mine aren't necessarily stories; they're poetry, um, but they're from uh, pretty famous American authors. They're short story writers and novelists as well. Um, so the first one I, I wanted to share, um, and kind of a uh, what's that called? Trigger? What's that? Trigger warning for any people with mental health issues. This one, this is about mental health, and um, it's by Sylvia um, Plath. And so she's she's uh, she was born in the 1930s, um, and she basically, um, like any like any author or any like you know famous creative type person, it's like they're not well known or not recognized until their death, right? And so similar situation for her. Um, some cool things about her: she um, was first published at eight years old. Um, uh, she she kind of revolutionized and actually started and pushed um, confession, uh, confessional poetry. So that's like her genre that she like really pushed. Um, it's said in here that she was uh, clinically depressed and she underwent the electroconvulsive therapy quite often. Um, I was it was kind of interesting that they added that in her her bio, um, but I, I add that too because her this this poem that I'm going to share is is mainly about mental health and so it gives kind of a a background a bit on kind of maybe where she's coming from a bit more. Um, so, so taking a look at this poem, it's called Mad Girl's Love Song. And so it says, I shut my eyes and all the world drops dead. I lift my lids and all is born again. I think I made you up inside my head. The stars go waltzing out in blue and red and arbitrary blackness gallops in. I shut my eyes and all the world drops dead. I dreamed that you bewitched me into bed and sung me moonstruck, kissed me quite insane. I think I made you up inside my head. God topples from the sky, hell's fires fade. Exit seraphim and Satan's men. I shut my eyes and all the world drops dead. I fancied you'd return the way you said, but I grow old and forget your name. I think I made you up inside my head. I should have loved a thunderbird instead. At least when spring comes, they roar back again. I shut my eyes and all the world drops dead. I think I made you up inside my head. 
Um, I just, I really, I just kind of like the um, the imagery from that. It's just, it's dark and sad, and sometimes I like dark and sad things. <laughs> um, a little bit more uh, uh, about her too. Uh, pretty intense story about um, kind of the way that she allegedly this is this is how she passed away, um, and unfortunately she was very young when she passed away. She was only um, in her thirties. And um, and she passed away. Yeah, passed away in uh, 1963. And they say the cause of death was suicide. Um, and what happened was she. So she died uh, by uh, carbon monoxide poisoning. And basically, she locked herself in the kitchen and put her head in the oven. Um, but she sealed the doors off so that her kids would be fine. And so um, she wrote on a note. And this is what causes the mystery with her death. And death. And this is kind of the main reason why I'm sharing this about her. And she leaves a note. And the note says, it only has three, three words. So she's dead, has a note, and it says, call Dr. Hoarder, and then added the phone number on there. And so a lot of people speculate whether this was a suicide or murder or something, foul play, or if she was um, a call for help, right? Like, hopefully somebody catches me and, and does this. And so um, it's a sad story, but also uh, she did a lot with her life and like really pushed a lot of... Um, like American writing for women, especially, and um, so it's just kind of interesting. But the next, the next, um, the next author I'm going to share a, a little bit longer short story from. He wrote Pulp Fiction, a similar era of uh, uh, author from the 19, early 1900s. Uh, again, died in his died at 30. Um, same author white, for Pulp Fiction. Yes, yeah, this is the same, this is the author for Pulp Fiction. Cool. So his name is um, Robert Irvin Howard. So again, different author than the last. But again, same thing, suicide in their 30s. Uh, so interesting time, right? You have World War II. You had, he lived through the Depression. That's when he was growing up. And so it kind of gives you a perspective kind of where their writing's coming from. And I really like his, his short story here. It has a, a fun little twist, and um, I like the way, that, way that way it reads as well. So it's called Dead Man's Hate by Robert Irvin Howard. They hanged John Farrell in the dawn amid the marketplace. At dusk came Adam Brand to him and spat upon his face. Ho, neighbors all, spake Adam Brand. See John Farrell's fate, tis proven here a Hempton noose is stronger than man's hate. For heard ye not John Farrell's vow to be avenged upon me, come life or death? See how he hangs high on the gallows tree, yet never a word people spoke in fear and wild surprise, for the grisly corpse raised up his head and stared with sightless eyes. And with this strange motions, slow and stiff, pointed at Adam Brand and clambered down the gibbet tree. The nooth within its hand, with gaping mouth, stood Adam Brand like a statue carved of stone, till the dead man laid a clammy hand hard on his shoulder bone. Then Adam shrieked like a soul in hell, the red blood left his face, and he reeled away in the drunken run through the screaming marketplace, and close behind the dead man with a face like mummy's mask, and the dead joints cracked and the stiff legs creaked with their unwanted task. Men fled before the flying twain or shrank with bated breath, and they saw on the face of Adam Brand the seal set there by death. He reeled on the buckling legs that failed, yet on and on he fled, so through the shuddering marketplace the dying fled the dead. At the riverside fell Adam Brand with a scream that rent the skies, Across him fell John Farrell's corpse, nor even, nor ever the twain did rise. There was no wound on Adam Brand, but his brow was cold and damp. 
for the fear of death had blown out his life as a witch blows out a lamp. His lips were writhed in horrid grin, like a fiend's on Satan's coals, and the men that looked on his face that day, his stare still haunts their souls. Such was the fate of Adam Brand, a strange, unearthly fate, for the stronger than death or Hempton noose are the fires of a dead man's hate. But yeah, I just like, I like his wording there, and I think poems are fun too. It kind of mixes things up a little bit. Dude, his, his wording is really strong. Uh, both of theirs were. Um, I really like that a lot. It's uh, a very different approach. I don't think, and this includes myself, but I don't think too many people are used to poetry like they are to uh, music or movies, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so uh, this is interesting because recently we've been wanting to get more dynamic with the podcast. Um, an easy one is like to expand visually, um, especially since Charles and I are, are graphic designers. Mm-hmm. So even if it's something like rebranding the Instagram feed, you know, um, like seeing horror instead of um, just listening to it on the podcast, because you know people can relate with seeing horror, um, watching it, you know movies, TV shows, and whatnot. Um, but hearing it in, in poetry is, I think, another uh, dynamic that we've never touched, I don't think, really, ever. Um, I, I loved it, and I think it it adds something that, yeah, the, dy- the dynamic adds in a way that is just different from, you know, what we usually do on the podcast, so I enjoyed it. Same. I, I actually enjoyed it too. I uh, we have never touched on poetry at all, and for me, I had I had to like close my eyes to like picture like what was happening at the same time because I'm dumb. <laughs> but uh, I'm sitting here like, okay, this is kind of creepy actually. So that's a pretty scary story. At least the second one, I that first the first one, I went over my head a little bit. Like I said, I'm dumb. <laughs> Um, I just like the, um, like with poetry, and I think it's also similar to like songwriting where you're very like, you have to be so precise. Like with a story you can have, you don't want to be too wordy, but you, you can, you can play around. You have, you can be more liberal with which word, which words you choose. Right. But with poetry, it's like, if you're trying to rhyme, you're trying to hit certain syllables, you're trying to keep a certain consistency and with music as well, like you have to, it, there's multiple layers of it. So you, you're putting in extra thought into each specific word that's being put in there. Like there's, uh, at one point it said Adam Brand instead of just Adam because the brand was gonna was rhyming with future or you know, mm-hmm. pre-words, right? Mm-hmm. And so just adding the last name instead of just keeping the first name or it keeps it with syllables. And so just like, I think that too, that effort, when people put a lot of effort into like art, I think really, if you like really try to dive into it, you can like receive that like energy back, if that makes sense. Like yeah. you're able, the more you get out of it, the more you put in, the more you get out. I I agree with that. For me, I think there's a lot of value in artistry. Um, for us, regularly, we're not very artistic in telling stories. I mean, yeah, there's dynamics and like inflection and voice and whatnot uh, to try and make it sound more enticing or or spooky um but yeah 
something like that is, yeah, I don't know. Something that we're we're trying to do more of, I think. Is that is that you? Huh? That oh yeah, you? I'm so so sorry that. No, that's, you're good. That's me, dude. Thanks, Jordo. <laughs> well, all right then. I got a couple stories for you tonight as well. Close us off, dude. So this first story comes from, and I'm butchering this, but it's Bad Hasatfa. That's pretty good. I think you got it. <laughs> all right. So this guy, his grandma owns a cabin up in the mountains, way, way up there. And it's to the point where you have to get even onto a dirt road to get to this, to this cabin through the winding mountains and pine trees. And one fall, he goes to visit this cabin, kind of maintain it a little bit for her as well, because she's not living there. She just owns the cabin. And so he heads up there. He's staying a couple nights. And he says one of his favorite things in the world to do, and we could probably all relate, because we've done this. Uh, it actually reminds me of another story that has happened to us, but I'll hit on that in a minute, uh, is he'll turn off the porch lights and then go outside and just look at the stars. Now, the closest neighbor is a mile at the closest, probably even farther than that. So there's literally no light once he turns off those lights. So one night, he turns off the porch lights, he heads out, and there's no moon either. So it's just the stars. He walks out down onto the dirt road, away from the cabin a little bit, and just admiring the beauty of the sky. And then, as he's just kind of looking up into the sky, he hears something, just like a... He's like, okay, this is a little strange, but nothing concerning. He stays looking up there at the stars, and hears... Louder. A little bit louder. And he can't tell what's going on. At Like, there shouldn't be anyone around. No neighbors. He kind of looks to his left, looks to his right. It's completely pitch black because there's no moon out. And he, hits, he hears, pat, 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 <laughs> and realizes it's getting closer, and it's the sound of bare feet running on this dirt road. Oh, <laughs> I was like, how does he know what bear's feet sound like <laughs> <laughs> and as that occurs to him he hears the pat 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 and at that point he sprints for the cabin cuz it was so close it was bare, almost on top of him he gets to the cabin flips on the porch light closes the door locks the door and runs around the cabin flipping on all the lights and he tries to look out this out the windows from the light shining outside and he can't see anything can't sleep that night. The next morning, he heads out and can't find any signs of anything else that was there. No footprints or anything. He goes out to where he had stood. There's nothing there. He leaves and decides never to go back to his grandma's <laughs> cabin again. So he doesn't know if it was a bear. He doesn't know if it was a bear. <laughs> it could have been bare, bare feet. Bare, 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 bare feet. 
I mean, they <laughs> usually are bare. Bareception. <laughs> Damn. That one really got me because there was the one time, and I don't think you were there, but we all went to Tahoe and we went out onto the dock one night under the stars and we're all just laying out on the dock with us and the girls and watching the shooting stars and it was dark and we felt like we heard something coming up the dock and we couldn't see it until it was basically on top of us. It was like this crew of 15 to 20 people (laughs) (laughs) all doing the same thing that we were doing. (laughs) We were there first. Yeah, we were there. Yeah, yeah. So there was nobody around and it was nice and they weren't even using flashlights. So we didn't, we couldn't see them coming from a distance. We just heard footsteps and it was dark. So we couldn't see anything until they were close enough to see in front of us. Mm-hmm. And they just had the same idea to come out to the dock and watch the stars. <laughs> and it was I, terrifying because it's like we were hearing massive amounts of people, <laughs> but we couldn't see them. none of them. It's like the, <laughs> the marching uh, warriors in Hawaii. <laughs> like, that's the what marchers, I would, yeah, yeah, bro. That's what I would imagine. But I don't know if that was crossing your mind, but I'm seeing her like, oh, there's 15 of us. I was squaring up. There's like eight of us, like. We could take them. Like, Honestly, just... that's kind of a dream situation. <laughs> Underdog, let's get this. It sucked because it was like, it was summer, but it was still kind of chilly out on the lake, you know? Yeah. So there was no way I was jumping into the water. The water was black as <laughs> night, dude. Not to mention Tahoe Tessie, so. Yeah. T- <laughs> Who, what? So, Oh, Tessie, dog. It's the lake monster, bro. Oh, like Nessie, but... Yeah, Tessie. cousin of Nessie. <laughs> um, yeah, that was terrifying. That I reminded me... They couldn't see us as well, so it was probably creepy for them. Yeah, they're Once like, they got out there and they like, see there's oh, just all these bodies. People. Yeah. <laughs> just laying on the dock. And we're all quiet. <laughs> yeah. We're trying to like see what's happening. Um, <laughs> kind of... Re- the bear bit reminded me... I, I told everybody a few weeks ago that I was going bear hunting. Oh, yeah. And I finally went. Went with my girlfriend and her little sister. Her, uh, my girlfriend's father hunts full-time. He's a full-time trapper. Trapping, trapping. <laughs> um, trapping. And he's been out there for a month now. Oh, dang. He just takes his trailer. He mess around. Takes his truck. Um, he has like an apprentice. You can say that over again. He has an apprentice uh, shadow him. It's been uh, with him for a long time, learning how to hunt. Um, it's like 21, young kid. That's cool. And they go up into the mountains for a month at a time. Just them two. Um and then they bring back. But uh, this time he's just training his dogs. And unfortunately, we weren't able to find a bear. But we did find a lot of bear tracks. And he ran into a bear Thursday, Friday, <laughs> Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. A whole week, except the day that we were there, <laughs> Sat- Saturday. So it was pretty frustrating. But uh, no, it, it was a good time. Just being out in the woods. Um, we woke up at four in the morning to go. And we had <laughs> about 10 dogs in the back of the truck. 
and uh, you drive slowly through all these crazy dirt trails in the in the middle of the mountains, and uh, um, Dad was on one side, his apprentice was on the other side of the truck, looking down at the ground for tracks, and the dogs can smell too, so when they start barking, they park in the middle of the trail, get out, look around for tracks, and then they send a dog, one dog, and if he can catch something, then they send the rest of the dogs. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, there were a few times where the dogs started barking because they could smell the traps, or uh, not smell the traps, smell like uh, bears. Um, so my girlfriend's dad got out the truck, found tracks. They weren't super fresh, but sent a dog anyway. Came back with nothing. But, uh, yeah, I was kind of hoping for that pat, pat, pat <laughs> from the safety of our little uh, razor we were in <laughs> that follow, would, following behind the truck. That would be like the best time to see a bear because you have all these dogs. You have yeah. these guys who are pro hunters. Like they're not just casually hunting. They they do it for a living. And like living there in a month, like that's just, they that's so cool. Like they know what to do out there. Like, mm. ugh, that's so cool. Yeah, that's crazy. We come back home. They have their trailer. Got a TV and air condition inside, <laughs> and a fridge full of food. And nice, like nice. Couch and it's comfortable. That's the way to do it. That does. <laughs> that sounds like the life. <laughs> I need to figure that out. Was that you? Oh uh, no, I got a couple more. Ooh, him. But that was that one creeped me out because I could relate. So, moving on. And like honestly, like I love just sitting in the dark too. And that like adds to like now not wanting to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of taking away from a peaceful time. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) So the next story comes from L2 Haiku. So did they send a haiku? (laughs) No, it's not Uh, in a haiku. Sorry. We'll leave the poems to people who are more capable. Um, So this girl and her dog, Jenna, and her ex-boyfriend were out for a walk one day. I've never heard a dog named Jenna. <laughs> Such a, that's a real human name. <laughs> yeah. It's like Larry. Like, like Veronica. <laughs> Bethany. Some people do that. <laughs> but but as you were. As, as we were, they were out for a little walk in the neighborhood that she grew up in. So she's been through this. Which is where? Uh, she didn't say actually in the story, but she's been through it a thousand times. wasn't very sketchy. It's just like a normal neighborhood. So they don't live there anymore. No, I imagine her parents still did. That's okay, why so they she's were there. back visiting. visiting. But she's super old... familiar with all this. Like, yeah, yeah it's home still. Okay. Kind That's of. what it sounds like based based on what she's saying here. Um, no, as they get a little ways away from the house on this walk she notices that everything kind of goes silent. Like, she doesn't really hear anything going on from cars or birds or anything anymore. It's just silent. And then in the midst of this, she hears a very faint noise that sounded almost like a scream. But she couldn't tell. It was very, very faint. She stopped for a split second, but didn't stop walking. She noticed at this point as well that her dog was also more hesitant to continue. Like she noticed <laughs> she, w- she was dragging the dog along a little bit as well. Always a tell. <laughs> Always a yes. tell, dude. 
Always a tell. It's a bad, bad news. So as she's starting to drag her dog a little bit along with her, um, they get a little bit further down this road, about a block more, and it becomes silent again. Like everything goes quiet. And this time she hears it again. This time, obviously, it's a scream. And she stops. And the dog stops. And at this point, she noticed that the scream wasn't just any scream. It was her own scream. Oh, frick. I'm not expecting that. <laughs> at this point, a panic comes over her. The dog won't move. She turns to her ex and she's like, did you hear that? He didn't hear anything. But he doesn't say, no, you didn't hear anything. You're making it up. At this point, she's freaking out. and She's, she's like, we can't do this. We got to go back. And she takes the dog and they start running back to the house. So the dog's not running. They're running with the dog? They're running with the dog. <laughs> Is the ex-boyfriend running? Did, they, did she just leave him? I imagine he was running oh. because if I was in that situation and my girlfriend was like running now with the dog back home, I wouldn't just stay there. <laughs> I, mean, I That's out. how I imagine this went down. <laughs> <laughs> now, as she gets back to the house, everything starts to feel normal again. Now, and keep in mind, this is kind of a normal neighborhood. It's not too sketchy or anything like that. And as they get home, she notices this beat-up old white van driving down the road in their neighborhood. Just kind of slowly, doesn't seem to be doing anything. No markings to indicate it's like a fleet vehicle or anything like that. And she gets this overwhelming feeling that her future self was screaming out to her and it had something to do with that van. It's like Donnie Darko, bro. Bro. And that whether that was going to, something was going to happen to her or to her dog, which apparently was really expensive dog. She felt like that she had been saved by herself at that point. Well, did she ever figure out what it was? Never figured out what it was. Maybe it was the boyfriend. Maybe that's dude. why he's an ex now. <laughs> <laughs> when you when you said uh, um, something about her, uh, she was like warned by her. Oh, she knew that like that had something to do with it or whatever. My eyes started watering. <laughs> I was like, gosh, <laughs> damn. Wait, tell me how she came to that conclusion. How yeah? she came to the conclusion of the van. Or that, that she, it was her future self? It was her future yeah, that, self. Well, leap, she felt bro. like it was her future self because the scream that she heard was obviously her scream to her, to her. And she couldn't think of any other reason why she would be hearing her own scream. Oh, I see. That and makes she, sense. And it could be just like the heat of everything happening that she's connecting all these dots, the scream that sounded like me, the random white van driving through the neighborhood. And it could be just. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. But I mean, if you get, if you get like overwhelming feelings, like that's hard to shake. Yeah. We've talked about that before, especially if multiple people are feeling that. Yeah, yeah. In this case, Jenna. Yeah, multiple 
people, including a dog, are feeling that, you know you got to get out of there. Yeah, like my problem, like I'll like definitely have those feelings, but I get them more often than I like than I maybe think I do, if that makes sense. And I shrug it off too often sometimes too. Yeah. And then there's a difference of like legitimate, like because there's times where you feel uneasy or you feel off. Mm -hmm. And then there's times where you're like, I need to get out of here. Yeah. You know? Well, this like happened to me like last week sometime. I was just out for a bike ride and I get this feeling that I need to go back. And I was like, well, this is weird. I've only gone like three miles. Um, and then I kept biking for a little bit and the thought came back to me is like, you need to go back. And so I was like, all right. Cause that's my thing. I'm like if I get the feeling <laughs> mine as well, right. I'm still alive, but who knows? I could be dead right now. Um, that actually, was that, do you have another story? Cause that reminds me of a story. Go for it. And I haven't told it yet on this podcast. Go for it. And it's not like super wild, but it's, it's a personal story. And I mentioned it a bit last summer, but when I got lost in the woods, have I told yeah. the full what, what happened or no? I think so. Oh, maybe I have then. I don't know if I, okay. But ba- like a similar situation, like I was out in the woods, I got lost. Um, well, I wasn't really lost. I ran out of gas in a vehicle, uh, in a four-wheeler, and I was by myself. I'd, I had separated from the pack because I was trying to outrace everyone. And uh, be faster than everyone. Um, and, I, and, and I took a wrong turn. Um, and this is in Montana, like grizzly bear country. Um, I saw an elk by myself, like this b- huge elk, just beautiful elk, just going across this me- this this mountaintop meadow in fog. Like so, it was just like this surreal experience because I was by myself for a bit, um, and then I was also making sure to go about thirty five miles an hour because that's how fast bears go. <laughs> so I was like, as long as I'm going this fast, we're good. Um, but, and actually my, my uncle did see a black bear pretty near where I had ran out of gas. So, um, I run out of gas. I'm kind of stressing just because, you know, the clouds are coming in. It's super stormy. My sister's getting married in two days. So all the family's in, right. If I'm like, I'm just like, I'm like, holy crap, I can't believe I ran out of gas. And I keep second guessing myself, like, what should I do? Where should I go? And so I start wanting to go up to get to at least where I familiarize myself. And then from there, I'll make the next, next decision, right? So I start walking up the hill towards these like dark woods, you know? And I just keep getting this feeling like, like, why, like, why are you like, no, like, you don't need to do that, right? <laughs> and I literally went there. I, I like walked up a bit, went back to the foiler, went up again, went back to the foiler, went up farther, and then finally was like, I need to get off this mountain. Like if I'm stranded here for the night, I don't want to be stuck up top here with maybe like predators or whatever. Who knows what? Yeah, who knows what with with the with the weather and stuff. So I was like, I just need to get down, and so I mean, I did. So who knows what was up up that right? Or who knows if I would have stayed there, what could happen? But it's just like, and I say it's just like not believe. I feel like for me, the reason I tell that is like you need to believe yourself, like trust yourself. It's like. We were driving somewhere yesterday and had a gut feeling this is where we were supposed to go. And we're like, nah, it's another place. And we went to the other place and realized that it was the first place we were at. Oh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That gut feeling, that's that's accurate 98% of the time, all the time. <laughs> that is honestly one of the most annoying things that I do to myself is when I am right the first time and I like second guess myself. And it's just like, what are you doing? Just 
go. Just trust yourself, you know? Yeah. But Sounds like words from a wise person. <laughs> there you go. There you trust go. Trust your gut. <laughs> Bust a nut. That's me. Okay, one more. So this one comes from user Blue Raindrops. Oh, drop top. Hey. So she and her small family live around Tennessee, North Carolina area. Um, I can't remember exactly where. But uh, she's married, two kids, eight and six, both boys at, or they're eight and six at the time. Um, she describes herself as not really being outdoorsy or anything like that, more of a stay-at-home body. But her husband's more outdoorsy. So she said that about four years ago, shortly after the 4th of July, they decide to go on a small family outing to this place called Kling, Klingman's Dome. And this is North Carolina, Tennessee border, kind of in the Great Smoky Mountain area. Now, it's kind of cool, actually. So it's the highest area within like kind of this area of the Great Smoky Mountains, and it's got this boardwalk that goes out over the trees and has this lookout. So it's pretty sick. They decide they're going to go, just not going to camp or anything. They're just going to go visit, get some pictures, get out with the boys, stuff like that. <clears throat> so there's essentially two ways to get up there. You can hike all the way up there, or you can drive up to this parking area, and then it's about a mile hike from there. And like I said, she didn't really describe herself as being super outdoorsy, so they head up to this parking area and hike out to the boardwalk. They make it out there pretty short time, take some great photos, do some snackage, stuff like that. And eventually they decide, hey, it's time to start headed back. So they start heading back, and along the way, her youngest son, who she said had a history of epilepsy and migraines, um, and he hadn't had any like seizure attacks in a couple of years now, but still had had those in the past. Mm-hmm. But he said he he starts to like whimper and like, "Mom, my head hurts," mm. and kind of start crying a little bit. And she's like, "Okay, no worries. I'll carry you the rest of the way. It's about a mile." Well, like, like people who don't know what migraines are, like they're debilitating. Like yeah. it's you can't think. Like yeah. it's. Ugh. And normally they, she said that he had have medication for that. They just didn't have it on them at the time. Oh, damn. So she offers to carry him the rest of the way, partly because her husband and the eight year old son were kind of enjoying themselves, and she didn't want to slow them down at all. So she picks him up on her back, starts to carry him, and uh, the husband and the older son kind of move off into the distance as they're hiking a little bit faster. And just as they get out of eyesight, um, she also notices that there really aren't any other tourists hiking around anymore either. And possibly it was just kind of a lapse in people coming to see the, the boardwalk. But regardless, there's no one around anymore. Now... She's been carrying this extra 50-pound weight, so she decides, hey, we're going to stop for a minute and take a break. 
So they stop and kind of sit on this rock close to the trail, a couple feet off of it. And she sets him down and he starts to whimper a little bit more, saying, Mom, my head hurts and now my ears hurt. Like I hear this really loud noise and he starts to kind of curl up in this ball. Now, as he's like saying this, she's like, okay, I got to text my husband so that he knows that we're going to hang back a little bit while I'm resting for a second. And as she starts texting to her husband, she notices that everything has gone silent in this forest. No birds, couldn't hear the sound of the wind. And she notices this because the texting that she's doing, she could hear each text motion super loud as if that's the only sound and as she finishes sending this text she kind of turns her attention back to her son and it sounds like he's whimpering even louder because it's the only sound that this forest is making now she said her mother was from Illinois area where there are lots of tornadoes that come through and her mom was super diehard like teach your children how to survive in like these types of like natural disasters. And she said her mom had always said silence before the storm. Like you'll know the tornado is going to come. It'll drop in right after that silence. So she starts to freak out and it's like, okay, there's going to be a tornado. It's going to come any minute now. And it's just silent. Now, After what she said is about 10 minutes, nothing happening in this extreme silence. She gets this almost primal like feeling, picks up her son and is like, F it. And she starts running towards the parking area. She runs towards the parking area and gets there in record time. And she notices when she gets to the parking area, that this parking area is empty now except for their car and two other cars. And she imagined those other cars were people that had gone hiking off somewhere else because there's no people there. Her husband and her son are nowhere to be seen. So she's kind of confused. She sets her other son down on the hood of their car and goes to pick up her phone to see if she had heard it back from her husband yet when she sees her other son, the eight-year-old, running towards her from the trail that they were just on. So they had passed, she had passed them or something, and he has this look of fear on his face. And once he gets to the parking area and sees her and his brother there by the car, almost a relief comes over him, and he kind of turns back, and yells, I found mom and brother. And he comes over to her and she's like, what's going on? And not a minute later, her husband comes running down that same trail as well. And he's like yelling at him like, where were you? Are you guys okay? What's going on? She's like, I don't I, I texted you. I told you we were stopping for a couple minutes. We only waited for like 10 minutes. And at that point, he says, no, 
we have been looking you for looking for you for the last three hours. And she's like, no, no way. We only sat there for like 10 minutes. And he like shows her the time on her phone. And it was three hours later. He said that they had run up and down that trail three or four times yelling for them. Damn. So you're talking like a glitch. Glitch, dude. Dude. Then she turns to her six-year-old and she says, how are you feeling? Is your migraine still there? And he's like, no, and I'm not hearing the noise anymore either. And the dad turns to him and is like, wait, what were you hearing? And he's like, I heard like, it was like a bumblebee buzzing around in my head. And like, and like there are, there is phenomenon of like static electricity at high altitude and stuff like that. But I don't know what it was. Yeah. But regardless, they uh, decide to pack it in and GTFO. So they start driving away and they're like trying to talk about it. And the husband's like, no, let's get home and get away from the kids, put them to bed before we try and figure out what the hell happened. <laughs> <laughs> I, that would happen in my family. Like my mom would try to talk about them. My dad's like, later, later. We can't talk about SEX in front of the children. <laughs> but uh, they make it home. And strange thing to also note is that her six-year-old kid never had migraines or epilepsy moving from there four years later. So it's crazy, crazy, it's one whatever, time. whatever happened, whatever glitch in the matrix it was. Assuming that happened, I wonder if it was like the influence of the area, maybe something that happened in the past um, that like... I don't know. Slip through time. Well, and apparently this area is where multiple people have gone missing and are recorded in the 411 files. Mm. Yeah. Case files. Damn. That's wild. I wonder if it's like a, if there's ever like, because there's just so many like ma- like magnetic and like electro electromagnetic like frequencies, right? Like it's but like our brain, that's all our brain is like firing with our neurons and things like that, right? So it's like, I wonder if there's any like creatures that we can't see or entities that we can't see, but they, they can like create some kind of bubble or some barrier, right? Because this kid was just like overwhelmed with these headaches and it was only at that specific time and it distorted their reality. So it almost seemed like she was in some kind of bubble or some pocket and couldn't get out. And then eventually they broke out somehow or, you know what I mean? Like, well, or, and or the they're moved or something like they were there for 10 minutes which was three hours in real time that the husband and the other son ran up and down this trail yelling for them. They never heard them. They were only about six feet off of the trail. So nothing adds up as far as being normal. Mm-hmm. So something like that is very possible. I'd say. I love the the relativity of the time there. The three hours to the 10 minutes is so wild. Yeah. It's uh dude, it's cold in this basement. Jordan's wearing a blanket. <laughs> but when you got to that bit with the three hours and also the bit of her texting and like the clicks of the keyboard, like echoing. In uh, the force. I was like, turn your volume down. Uh, <laughs> dude, it felt significantly colder. <laughs> like I felt uh, kind of scared at one point. 
I was like, because, because like, you know, like you shiver so much, you start to get like warm, but you're not really warm because you're cold, but it's like that weird, like chills, you know what I mean? I was like pulling the blanket off. I was like, no, 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 no. (laughs) (laughs) But weird time slips and glitches like that are always trippy, dude. Never There's, those. it's like you can't, it's you can't comprehend that. It's like there's no way to define that. It's like somebody goes missing, yeah, it's tragic, but there's a lot of factors like an animal or, you know, you can drop a lot of things. But when it comes to like the ten minutes to three hours, there's no way to like how do you draw that? How do you write that out? See, I was thinking like maybe like. And whatever, whatever happened to them or whatever they got caught in, like time just seemed shorter for her when in reality it wasn't. But that still doesn't explain how she wouldn't have heard them running up and down the trail looking for her. So I don't know. Like definitely, definitely a glitch in the Matrix. Or something was trying to, trying to trap them. Yeah, I actually have another story about that, but I'm not going to share it right now. (laughs) That's good. Is that you tonight? That's me. Dude, thank you, Sean. Jordan, thanks for coming down. Thanks for having me. It was a fun episode. Those are good. You guys had some, those are some good stories. Those are wild. Uh, We hope you guys enjoyed it too. Um, Anything else before we close? Guys, always a pleasure. Uh, thank you for your patience, but uh, until next time, trust your guy and watch your back. Be careful out there. Love you. Bye. Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of 3AM. If you want to support us, visit our Patreon where patrons have access to exclusive content. If you're not able to support us monetarily, don't worry. This episode is on us. You can still rate and review us on whatever platform you listen to us on. It really does go a long way. You can also follow us on social media. Our handle everywhere, including Patreon, is the 3AM pod. Finally, do you have any scary stories? If so, submit them to our website, the3ampodcast.com. We love any audio or visual aids that can help bring your stories to life. So file uploads are welcome with your written submissions. We're anxious and excited to hear from you. You might be surprised to know that not all serial killers are straight cisgender white men. And the victims of true crime are not a monolith either. She's Wendy and I'm Beth. And together we host Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color, a true crime podcast. Together we take deep dives into the true crime stories about marginalized and minoritized perps and victims that often go untold. We also provide the context and nuance that these stories deserve. At Fruit Loops, we're serving up true crime with a side of history, society, culture, and some fun. Listen to Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, this is Dr. Grande the host of True Crime Psychology and Personality. On my podcast, I explore and explain the pathology behind some of the most horrendous crimes and those who commit them. 
We discuss topics like narcissism, psychopathy, sociopathy, and antisocial personality disorder from a scientifically informed perspective. What is a narcissist? How do you spot a sociopath? What signs can you look for to protect yourself from these dangerous personalities? It's not just about the stories, but also the science and psychology behind them. So if you're interested in true crime or mental health, I'd encourage you to give my show a listen wherever you get podcasts.